Good day, and welcome to Sea to Ski with Sarah and T, putting the P in professionally managed vacation rentals. This is the Vacation Rental Management Professionals Podcast, coming to you from the Outer Banks of North Carolina and from the Rocky Mountains of Colorado. I'm Sarah Bradford from Winter Park and Steamboat Springs. And I'm Tim Cafferty from the Outer Banks of North Carolina and Sandbridge, Virginia. Together, we bring you the first podcast focused solely on professionally managed vacation rentals across the nation, or as we like to call it, Sea to Ski with Sarah and T. In the next 30 minutes, we hope you'll join us on our journey as we dive into issues affecting folks like us, the professional vacation rental manager, allowing you to run your business more effectively, make more money, and most importantly, have fun doing it. We're back and better than ever. I'm Tim. And I'm Sarah. And we are back with an old-style format today. We've had several interviews in a row here where we've talked to vacation rental managers around the country, and we thought it might be time to take a pause and get back to a couple of topics, or at least one topic this time around, one that we promised we would do months ago. And so as we enter the fall, we are going to talk to you about refunds today. But before we do that, Sarah, we've got some updates. All these interviews we've done, I've had several comments. I'm not sure about you. I think people are liking the whole idea of us talking to other vacation rental manager owners. What do you think? Yeah, I've actually heard a lot of people reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you on Facebook as well about which interviews you like best and if you're getting something out of that. I've really enjoyed it, getting ideas and inspiration from others, just like when I talk to you, Tim. Thanks for that, and back at you. So I've had a couple of things come up that I think we need to clarify relative to some of the folks we've spoken to. You remember Gail and Yoan from Canada. So some people were confused, and I just want to make sure we're on the same page before we move forward. So Gail said she was giving out popsicles to people when it was 30 degrees. And I had a couple of people come up to me, what in the world is she doing giving out popsicles when it's freezing? And I had to remind them, Gail's from Canada. They use Celsius for temperature, so 30 degrees in her world is more like 86 degrees. So thought I'd make sure everybody was aware of that. That's funny. Awesome. Yeah, it's it's not. You're, she's not handing them out in the snow. <laughs> Can you vision? Yes. <laughs> and then speaking of that, remember we had a healthy debate with Yoan about the whole bed bugs thing, and so did some research, talked to some exterminators, and got this lowdown on bed bugs and dying at minus forty degrees. That all that sort of thing. We are talking about four days of continuous exposure to zero degrees Fahrenheit in order to kill a bed bug if you're going to do it by cold. And so as you so aptly pointed out, you might be able to take a mattress outside, but you're not going to have the house at zero degrees for four days just to kill bed bugs, right? Then you'll have frozen pipes, which could be a problem, right? <laughs> That's so right. I think the what we're hearing is the only way to remove bed bugs is the heat method and you have to spend the money and go for it because those eggs can be anywhere. Do you agree, I do. Tim? In fact, I can tell you exactly that the eggs and the critters die at 117 to 122 degrees will kill them right away. Otherwise, the eggs and critters can survive for up to five months without a meal. Okay, moving on. Yeah, well, one other update from us, and that is our friend Michelle Hodges. Checked in with her. She had two updates for us. First of all, 
She's getting married. Congratulations, Michelle. Well, she's getting married next fall. But the thing I was checking with her about was the whole home away, going cold turkey. Remember that episode we had back in May, I think it was, where Meyer Realty actually stopped working with home away. And she yes, re- and and you have you know she calls her company Meyer Vacation Rentals, and she's picky about that, Tim. So and she's going to love that I remembered that. But okay. it's Meyer Vacation Rentals. Oops. And the funny thing is, Al, my GM, just asked me this week, "Have you heard from Michelle?" How's it going not using HomeAway? And it sounds like you have an update. I do. She said they are still not listing any of their inventory on the site. They just began their early fall season and officially kind of put the wraps on 2018 as far as summer is concerned. And she said she's thrilled to report they saw actually an increase in revenue this year over last year. And so they've done that with a great job watching the rates and yield management stuff. All their property owners still happy. Revenue production's good. And so they're continuing to monitor it, but things are going well. If you guys remember, she has over a 1,000 vacation rentals. So this is a big test for our industry if you can make it, at least in a beach community, without home away. So good job looking at watching your business and making a risky move let's keep updating with her maybe in six months from now and see how it's going Sounds good. but we're going to get to that topic a little bit and not so hot up the press when we're finished so we'll come back to that in a bit yep you know what else i think michelle has to deal with every now and then refunds that's a good segue tim <laughs> so that's what we're going to talk about today is the refund wars and this is a tough topic I think everyone will be tuning in to see if we have the secret sauce. We've come up with all the secret sauce we can for this content, but and in the next 23 minutes, we're going to cover it all. So let's get started. So a refund, the dreaded refund word it in the dictionary says it's to pay back money, typically to a customer who is not satisfied with goods or services bought. And as we were thinking about the refund topic, I was also thinking that Even when you have to give a refund back, it's never a good experience. Even if the guest gets the money they think is due to them. It's a dissatisfaction going on with the customer and us. And we want to avoid it to even having the topic. So we've always had, all of us have crazy refund requests. I know Tim has many of them. Mm -hmm. Last week we got asked, uh, a guest said, I want at least half back of my money because I went to the wrong tower of the building because of your bad directions and I had to go all the way up and all the way down and eventually found the condo where I was staying. And I thought, you didn't read the directions, but you want half your money back. Yeah. Wow. Mm. Yeah. So you have some of those, right, Tim? You get asked for money back with the craziest complaints. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like you mean the guest who wanted a refund because there were four remote controls he had to work? He wanted to use every device with one remote control, so he felt like he needed $500 back on that. Oh, my gosh. Or we had another guest this summer who said, I can't get my Netflix account to work on this TV and also do some streaming thing I want to do. A really bizarre technical request. He wanted to change it all up and unplug everything, and he wanted a different TV installed in that room so he could do it. So people are definitely getting pickier. They're getting more demanding. But also people have real reasons for refunds. I mean, for asking that. We do not always have 100% service level, right? We have things that happen in the house. I don't think any of us have cracked the code 100%, but the bottom line is this. What does a refund really mean to a guest? Is $100 back 
Is that enough? Does that affect their overall feeling of your brand in the vacation? What amount is ever enough? Even when you give a full refund, sometimes people are still mad. How do you assess this whole thing? And how do you avoid going into the refund wars? So today, Tim, why don't you go over the top, the four things we're going to cover, and then we'll get into the content. Sure. Well, we have kind of drilled it down to four areas that you might be able to take away and think about what you're doing and how you might do it better. Number one would be alternatives to refunds. Number two is how you determine if somebody gets a refund, how much, and the communication. Three would be how to prevent a refund. And number four, who pays? So I'll start with a couple rules of thumb before we get into those four things. I'm going to actually do three rules of thumb. The first one is that this is an important topic that you discuss with your staff, your management, and all levels of your company. If you don't talk about refunds, if you don't discuss proactively how you're going to handle it, the refund war is much more painful. It's kind of like going into battle, right? I've been listening to the Hamilton CD. I'm going to see Hamilton later this fall. And they didn't go into a war without planning it out. So you can't just all of a sudden be in the battlefield and not have your supplies and your battle plan ready. So the other rule of thumb is that I don't I don't believe that you should penalize the 99% for the 1%. Although Tim might have a different slant on this, I don't believe still that most people are out to get a full refund or even any money if they had a satisfactory stay. I've heard other vacation rental managers, maybe like Tim, say that they have a suspicion that the general population's looking for a refund. I don't approach it that way. I don't agree yet. I'm not in that place where I feel that people are coming into their stay looking for a refund. What do you think, Tim? Well, I've had some time to, to ruminate on this. I've had another <laughs> birthday, so I feel like I'm a little bit wiser. And understand, we are just coming out of season as this broadcast is hitting. And so we're a little discouraged when you and I were doing the prep for this. And it did seem like, gosh, everybody's asking for a refund. But that's clearly not the case. As you said, the majority, the vast majority of guests have a good time. I'll hearken back to my late sister who was a rental manager years ago. And she said, you know what, Tim? There's a certain population of the world that's just flat out crazy. And there's a good chance a couple of them are staying with us right now. <laughs> I've always remembered what my sister told me back then. But I will say, however, we have had some professional vacationers who have told us, I've done this before. I'm going to do it again. I'll get what I want. Just be prepared. Like we had somebody say the first day they checked in, this was just a couple of weeks ago, a lady called in the morning after a check-in, talked to my customer service manager and said, I will be getting $1,700 back on this day. And then she proceeded to ignore every call back. She turned away every maintenance person we put there. She told our customer service manager that this is the third vacation rental that she had gotten for free or discounted this year. And sure enough, when she went back home, she did a chargeback. And so we're fighting that refund war with her. But all of my vacation rental management team has dealt with those kind of people, and it's so easy to gravitate to that and group everybody in there. So that's a good point, Sarah, that... It's not the majority. Sometimes it really seems like it, though. Wow. I mean, that is, I do believe that's 1%, the story there. And you can't penalize everyone and immediately jump on their case when something's wrong because mm -hmm. you think they're going to ask for the 1700 But that is disappointing. Yes. Um, what's our last rule of thumb? Well, I think generally that you need to strike first 
in war. Well, maybe this is the Hamilton episode. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Remember the duel or whatever? So yeah. at any rate, I think if you bring up the topic first, then you beat them to the punch and you get a win possibly, right? Absolutely. I think when when you discuss what you're going to do to make it right versus them having to ask you what you're going to do to make it right, 99.9% of the time you win. You're in the driver's seat. It is about that. Let's get into topic number one, Tim, alternatives to refunds. If you catch a problem early on, so this is back to being proactive. You cannot let a problem fester, let's call it. During the check-in call or a text or even the guest is contacting you early on, if you act fast, you can avoid the refund. This would be the overarching goal beyond all others. So I think this is what you got to get your team around is, okay, as soon as there's a problem, what do we do? If the hot tub is cold and you got the call at 5 in the afternoon and everyone's going home and you tell them, okay, we'll deal with it tomorrow, but then the next morning some different staff comes in and kind of forget to call the guest back and the maintenance guy had to deal with a heating issue and somebody called in sick on that team and, and now it's 4 o'clock the next day and the guest gets home from skiing, in my case, and the hot tub's still not hot. Ooh, major miss, right? That's when the refund question happens. But if you got over there at 5.30 when they called that first night and you mess with the controls and you do whatever you do and sometimes how you get it heating and you say it'll be hot by 9, much less chance they're going to ask for money. If they're missing towels, let's say one bathroom doesn't have all the towels. Again, you get the call right when they're, they're all showering and you run over there with more towels. I think refund avoided. You forget about that email and you don't get over there for even six hours. They're starting to get mad about taking showers and not having towels. And they're starting to talk about it as a group. And they're getting themselves worked up because you know that's what happens. They start having a couple glasses of wine and all they can do is obsess on the fact there's no towels in the property. So what, what do you think about that? Well, I like it. And I was thinking the whole time you used a couple of great examples, but like, for instance, we charge for early check-in. And if the guest gets there and it's not ready, you have a fail out of the gate. And so what do you do to make up for that right that minute? You have to have engagement out in the field. Cleaning staff needs to own up and say, I'm sorry, Mr. Ms. Manager, I did not make it at one o'clock or whatever the early check-in time was. And these guests are here and they've been inconvenienced. And then, then we can be very proactive and, as you say, hit it with some alternative to a refund that might help the situation go away and they'll forget about it by six o'clock. Yeah. And that really is alternatives to refunds. And we've talked about this a little bit on the past podcast. I sometimes believe, and this is again, a feel and understanding how angry the guest is, but a wow you can give them. I know you have some good examples on this, Tim, a wow, a gift card, a service, whatever, having them do something fun during their stay, a favorite restaurant, that maybe is even by their home. I've mentioned that before. We found out where they live and where's a cool restaurant near their house, giving a gift card there, giving them an experience or a feeling of special versus I put $223 back on your credit card. I mean, it feels different to the guest. And I think you should encourage your staff to find ways that you can do that. And Tim, you do something really cool with a water park. Can you talk about that? Yeah, we have a water park here on the Outer Banks that's been invaluable to us. We're a partner in that water park, meaning the company has invested in the park. And so we 
we are selling tickets, but we also have some complimentary passes. And what a great opportunity it's been for us to solve some of those service failures, if you will, with, can I give you a couple of passes to the water park? We're expecting a red flag day, which means no swimming, for those of you who don't know. We're expecting a red flag day on Tuesday. Maybe you can take your family to the water park as a way we can say sorry for the inconvenient. You can think of it in whatever market you're in. There's some kind of a partnership you could probably make, as you mentioned, a restaurant or some experience and give something where you don't have to give cash is what we're talking about. I think you can do this a lot of the times, not teaching them that they can just get cash back on their credit card. And I do think there's a difference between cash and a gift. One thing I have to say, my little rant, giving them branded items with your company logo is not a gift or a refund. That is promoting (laughs) your company. Mm -hmm. So I would not give an Outer Banks blue t-shirt because someone didn't have a hot tub working during their whole stay. I think it's almost ironic if you do that. Okay. Note to self, stop sending (laughs) t-shirts. Okay. So that's pretty much number one. We've talked about all the we all have heard these things about how my vacation was ruined because blank, whatever. We, we've established there's a problem. What do you do? We've given you some alternatives there. So you have to do something. We try to approach every single refund as a unique event. That's number two. So I think you really need to assess their aggravation level. Some people, they had a great time. They want us to know that it happened, and they never asked for anything. Others, they have one little issue, and they want a full refund. I think you talk about the yard sale analogy, Sarah. Can you tell us about that? Yes, the yard sale analogy is actually from Amy, my head of reservations, and she loves yard sales. So she loves to say, hey, it's kind of giving refunds. It's kind of like having yard sale where you don't put prices on the junk you put in your driveway, right? You watch what car they pull up in. You see how much they're excited about that item. Is this some collector's thing you didn't even know about? Or is this person about to walk away if you don't give it to them for a buck? So that is a way you can think about how much money do you want to give to the guests. I always like to say, you ask them, what do you think is fair? And the next person speak loses. If they give you a tremendous number, you can say, well, I'm not able to do that, but what I am able to do is so-and-so. So you have to have some kind of an idea. So you know on this broadcast, we're very big on processes and approvals and standards. And so I would encourage you to look at that to make sure you understand what a hot tub is worth, what a pool is worth. But many times these things are emotional and you need to make sure that you are dealing with the person on the proper level. So if you say, I'm sorry you had that hot tub out for one day, sir, but it's only worth $70 a week, so your refund is going to be $10. That may not work. In fact, it may incense them even more as you go forward. So you really have to have that active listening and that sensitive ear when you're talking to people because you could lose the war and the battle, and I've definitely done that before. You know, that's kind of brings me back to Hamilton because it's a lot about their songs about how they should talk before they go to war. Two points on what you said, Tim, that are so critical. One is I think it scares a lot of vacation rental managers like us to say the question, what do you think would be fair? Mm -hmm. I can hear the cringing out there in the audience listening. But over the past two or three years, I've gotten comfortable with this, with our team asking it. I will tell you, I have data that shows you will give less back on average if you ask that question versus if you offer up something. Because when you offer up something, so let's say I say to you, Tim, hey, Tim, 
I think uh, we're going to give you $500 back. You've immediately just said, is that okay? Mm -hmm. And you've just said, unless you don't agree. And you've put yourself, again, in this war situation, you've put yourself at a disadvantage. If you say, what do you think is fair? Now, they say something, and usually it's less than you think it would be, and you can say, all right, I'll give that to you, and now you're in the power position. So actually, even though it feels like you're being vulnerable asking it, you're putting yourself in a power position, and that's what you have to do with these situations. The other thing you said that I don't want it to, it's a pullover moment, is a lot of people just want to share their frustration. And if you do not interrupt them, you let them vent, and you show empathy, that gets your refund from a thousand down to two fifty. I'm not kidding. If you wait to say what do you think is fair till they after they get their rant out, you will be saving money with that ten minutes of listening to them rant. Do you agree with that? I do indeed. And at a Verma conference many years ago I went to, we learned about the A train. I'm not sure that we have covered it on here, but it's three A's. It's not triple A like the motor vehicle safety program. It is agree, apologize, and act. And so you agree with them that the hot tub should be working, and I apologize that it's not. And back to your point, Sarah, many times that's enough. Oh, wait, it's agree, apologize, act. Yes. I'm going to put that on Facebook when we post this. <laughs> okay. Because as you get new people, I think we forget to train that, those three A's. You can't say it enough to the people at the front lines. The battlefield, right? Like your front line in the Revolutionary War. Teach them how to do the three A's. That is vital, and it will change everything instead of getting defensive or interrupting them on the phone. Now, you don't agree that you're going to get a full refund, Ms. Bradford, but I do agree in some way what you're saying is not the way it should be, and I apologize for that. And you're not saying, oh, I'm so sorry. You say, I apologize. Just take ownership. And then the act, of course, is what are you going to do to solve the problem? And so I will just share one more thing on this as we're going long on this episode, I can tell already. Don't fight the battle. I'll tell you about a guy. I won't mention his name because everybody in my company would go, I know who that was. But a few years back, he was very upset because a house had loose deck railings. Okay, And I'll tell you, he wanted $5,000 back. As we were talking before, what do you think's fair? $5,000 is fair. Oh, man, I can't do $5,000. And so I went to the homeowner. We're not doing $5,000. You tell him to pound sand, and we're going to get an attorney, <laughs> and this, that, and the other. It ended up costing the homeowner and I $12,000 to solve wow. this matter. 5000 was a good offer. So, anyway. And why, tell us, I mean, without telling us specifics, how did it get to 12000 Because it involved attorneys and yep. lots of threatening and other, what, what was it? Well, there was a YouTube video that was not very flattering. That was uh, certainly a part of it that shamed us and the situation. Because it, it wasn't completely right, but he wasn't completely wrong either. And so that's the whole wising with age sort of thing. Many times, the best thing is to just move on. This this number two topic is probably our meatiest one because it's the crux of the refunds and how to handle it. Two things on what you said quickly is, yeah, okay, you went to 12000 but you're not even counting how much time of yours, right. your staff, 
of missed opportunities, of frustration, of people getting sick of their jobs, that has a price tag. Plus, we haven't even talked really about, like you mentioned YouTube, the social media. Once you're upset with a company, you tell to what, 20 people? Mm -hmm. So that is something you can't even put money on. And I agree with you. I like to take care of the problem and take care of it fast because if it festers, they're telling a lot of people and that hurts your brand that could be a $100,000 hit. I mean, if you think that sure. somebody would go away happy and tell three people and they book with you in the future. But before we leave this topic, one last thing. You said you don't like to give money until after they leave. Can you talk about that? Well, it's true. Again, we try to always solve things with service, but at some point you do have to write that check. And when we write the check, we always try to put off the actual delivery of the money until after they leave. I don't know if it's unique to here or what have you, but I want to make sure they leave the property proper and in proper condition. I want to make sure there's been no disparaging comments made. I want to make sure that it is not going to fester and go for a long period of time. So we will make an agreement that as soon as you check out, we'll follow up with you on such and such a day, and we'll make arrangements to have it done. And quite frankly, sometimes we'll have a non-disparaging agreement as part of the refund process. I will give you back X amount, but in return, my attorney has an agreement they'd like you to sign that will uh, kind of limit your ability to hammer us on social media. I can see that. And even if you didn't have the disparaging thing, I think even saying it to them, if they're a decent person, just saying, you know, we're going to do this and we do expect you're not going to give us a bad review to kind of remind them like you don't get to rant on us now. But also I like even just saying, we're going to give you X amount. It'll go on your card the day after your departure. Something kind of like you're going to get it after you leave. We're going to see how it looks. I think there's ways you can say it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Good stuff. So let's go to topic number three, the third point here on on the refund wars, and that's how to prevent a refund or reduce the refund request before it even happens. We've touched on this a little bit. I'll go a bit deeper, and Tim has some examples. You have to talk about prevention when you talk about refunds with your team, focusing on things like quality of directions, preventative maintenance at the property, can't emphasize it enough, guys. You can't avoid this. You have to be proactive. Separate quality inspections of the cleaning. I don't believe in the cleaner doing the inspection. Everybody can roll their eyes at me if you want to and tell me this isn't possible for your company. But if somebody else does not inspect the property, I believe you're setting yourself up for a fail when they arrive. And then you're always just going uphill the rest of this day. And then clear and correct expectations of the property. Tim's going to go into this a bit more. Online, do not oversell your property. Don't show something that isn't really there. Don't make the place look better than it is. It needs to look great online, but it also needs to look great when they check in. And be clear on the services offered. Make sure they know that you're not coming to make up their beds every morning at 9 a.m. like a hotel. And then most importantly, and it's touchy-feely, but I believe in it so much, You have to be prompt and friendly to any complaint with great follow-up, almost over-following up, almost to the point I think the goal is they're like, yes, it's fine. The dishwasher's fine. Stop calling me. That you are showing you care so much about this complaint they made. And then the last thing for me would be upon checkout asking if there's anything you could do, anything that could have been better anything happen that would cause the guest to leave a bad review and address it right then 
don't wait for the lot next time you hear from the guest is when you send them a review request. We call every guest when they depart and we try to say, tell us, don't tell Google. <laughs> that reminds me, I mentioned this before in one of our previous episodes where I was interviewed by Marcus Lamonis, who has the show on CNBC and that's called um, The Prophet. I was put on the show with him to be interviewed because I had a problem. And my problem was that I had people going back home after they left and blasting me on social media. And so we had to present the problem to him, and then he would come up with a solution. And he looked at me just as serious as he could and said, well, you missed your opportunity, man. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He says, if you ask me after I leave, it's ask, it's as if you never asked me. Oh. And I was like, bam, you know, mic drop moment. You know, you were talking about the departure call and all that sort of thing. So we're sort of like you were talking before. You know, you have these people when you have them on customer service and, and they say, okay, is there anything else I can do? Did I handle your problem properly? And they're like, no, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. That's kind of we, as we are now. We text them. We email them. We follow up with a phone call. And before this week is over, when they're here, we'll say, is there any reason you wouldn't give us a five-star review or something like that to try to get their buy-in on that? But it really goes back to this whole number three thing that you're talking about. And we've touched on a lot of these things before. What it really says to me on this number three about preventing refunds is making sure the house or property is cared for properly. We've touched on that so many times. Most of our refunds, I find, go back to the guest just not liking the property. Old furniture, there are not enough chairs on the pool deck, the yard wasn't cut, the first impression was bad, whatever it is. They're all easy fixes if you have an owner that gets it. But we have some owners that make it hard on us in this industry, don't we, folks? They required us to use their vendor who doesn't get there in a timely manner. It takes them two days to get to the air conditioning repair. I had one where the AC died on July 4th, and, of course, the guy took off three days. He took off the day before, the day of, and the day after. So the owner was facing three days of a refund because of that. And so I feel like I'm almost in confession here with uh, some of my folks out there. But you know what I'm talking about, avoiding bad reviews or our motivation in life and and those one-star reviews, a lot of times you can avoid those if you just have that talk with the homeowner. Yeah, and Tim, I think confession is a good way to say it. We all have to listen to this topic and think about our guilty points of it. If you are working with an owner that doesn't look at this as a business, I just had another conversation with an owner yesterday about that. She said, this is really my home. This is so-and-so's bedroom. This is my child's bedroom over here. She has names for the bedrooms. I said, oh, my God, no. no. This is a business. And if you have owners that you can't tell them, we're working with our vendors and we're going to upgrade your property you got to call yourself out on that and say that's going to cost you as a company refunds, right? Yes. And we're going to get into who pays for the refund next. But the other thing, Tim, you said that is just so powerful is if you're listening to this and you say, well, I don't have enough staff. Or I don't have enough money to be calling on check-in or calling on check-out or following up on all the issues they complain about. you got to question yourself on that because the money you would spend for that extra staff I think is probably – less than the effect on your brand, your potential to book these people in the future, and the refund amounts that you're going to give 
because you didn't find out about their complaint. So look at that at your company and say, what is it worth to avoid these refunds and bad experiences? Absolutely. Okay, and end, end of rant. Move on to top <laughs> number four. I think we've hit some nerves here today. So I number know. four number four fits right in there with a the glove, though, and that is who pays that refund? Is it the owner? Is it you? Do you split it? Now, as... It's probably not a big surprise to our listeners. I do have a process for this. And mine goes back to, was the problem within your control and how much of an inconvenience was experienced? Those are the two questions we ask ourselves every time. We also commiserate. Typically, we don't leave it to one person to decide or to refund. That person will talk to another management type in the office or the company and kind of bounce off into what's going on. And many times, our refunds actually do go back to failures of equipment of some sort, which to me is 100% an owner situation. We talked about the hot tub going out. We talked about a pool not filtering. We talked about an air conditioning not working properly. Unless you have taken responsibility for some of those things in some way, I think those were owner refund issues. Sarah, you look at this maybe a little bit differently? Yeah, I feel like I'm in confession now because I I feel like this is a gray area and we've struggled with it. So I took your stance several years ago where if this is a problem with your property and not our service level or anything that we as Winter Park Lodging Company or Steamboat Lodging Company could have avoided – then we were charging the owner 100% for that refund we had to give. And I actually had an owner that came to me and was so upset and said, you've done this twice now, and we feel like we're paying you good money, and you should be a partnership with us, and you profited, and we didn't, and did not understand it. And I've had several owners not understand it. So, Tim, Mm -hmm. tell us how you set up this expectation in the beginning, because I'd love to do this, right? where your owners don't end up wanting to leave you because of this uncomfortable conversation you have with them that they have to give two grand back and you're not going to take a hit, even a dime. Right. So here is one benefit of doing vacation rentals in the state of North Carolina, and that is we have the Vacation Rental Act. There's a myriad of problems we deal with and issues that we deal with that you don't have to deal with in Colorado and some other places. But we actually have a law in North Carolina called the Vacation Rental Act, and it clearly delineates the tenant responsibilities and the landlord responsibilities. And one of the responsibilities of the landlord, by law, is that they have to provide a fit and habitable premises. And so You can imagine that term is thrown around quite a bit by guests about what fit and habitable is, but what they mean is the technical workings of the property. It's actually specifically mentioned plumbing, air conditioning, electrical, those kinds of things, clearly the responsibility of the property owner or the landlord, as it were, as I'm an agent of the landlord. But with that said, I will say, Sarah, we do live in the gray. You know, it's not black and white. We do live in the gray as vacation rental managers, as we all know. And so, for instance, I had a homeowner just a couple of weeks ago who had a power outage in his property. It was only his property. His meter went bad, and so the house had no power. For two days. Clear refund situation, right? Well, the owner basically forbid me to give money. And so then what am I going to do? I gave him the money out of my pocket because I didn't want that guest to be inconvenienced. And so I'm dealing with that homeowner now about our future relationship. But there are times where the owner may not go along with you and you still need to do the right thing, I guess is what I'm saying. 
Yeah, I mean, so what I hear, though, is that you should talk about this before you even start working with the owner. Sure. Do you do that? Do you cover this topic before you sign on with them? Absolutely. And that whole thing that Toby covered in our last episode and you just covered a moment ago about them opening a business, that is the perfect way to set that up. The next part of that would be, so for example, new owner, if your heat doesn't work, we of course try to fix it right away and we our initial goal is not to give a refund, but if there is a problem with your property that was because of the, what do you, what did you call it, the fit and habitable mm-hmm. nature of it, and we have to give a refund, you will be responsible for 100% of that refund. Do you say it? Absolutely. We actually go through scenarios and cover kinds of things they might see, particularly if they're not as experienced a homeowner as some of our others are. And you pretty much know going in. I have one owner that owns 16 houses. I don't have to cover it with him. He knows what's going on. I have another who just purchased a property as a young couple in their 20s. You're going to have to handle things a little more specifically with those kinds of folks. And I do have that discussion. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Rachel, who works with all of our new owners in Winter Park, she is working on an expectations document. And maybe all of you already have this, but we're starting to, when we sign a new owner before they get live on our site or they've even, the ink has dried, we go over expectations now and we make sure we cover all of them. And this is one of the ones I want to start covering. And I think everyone should come up with that list because what happens is you're you know signing on new property you're excited okay we're going to work together time goes by you forget to mention some of these things and then the hot tub is broken for three days and six months later you're having an uncomfortable conversation with that owner and so the more you can talk about proactively is going to let you actually save money right because you're going to be able to charge that owner for the refund so that's, that's a great point. And Tim, the last part of uh, topic four, I wanted to mention about who pays, owner, you, do you split it, is I want to encourage everyone, and you know Tim's doing this, but we are too, that everybody should be tracking your refunds. If I walk up to you right now and say, hey, last year for your budget, how much did you actually refund and charge your owners for? Do you know your number? And if I say, how many of the refunds did you cover as a company? Do you know the number? Do you know the total number? That is a vital number to know to say, what percent of our stays are we refunding? So my number, I'll I'll disclose it. It's 0.64% of our total stays for the last fiscal year we gave refunds for. We're working on that 0.64%. That has to be a metric that you track every month, every year, and say, are we giving more or less back? It's a it's a really good metric to see how well you're taking care of your guests and your properties. That is excellent. And I do not have my percentage. I believe it to be less than 1%, but I'm going to go find out. You've inspired Wait a minute. Me. Wait a minute. What? I do so not know. Like, in that vernacular, I do not have it. Stop. Stop the press. <laughs> I have a metric right now. I have a metric that Tim does not have. Next podcast, we want to know your percentage, okay. Tim. All right. I'll look it up. Wow, I feel incredible. (laughs) I I feel... That's just amazing. (laughs) Great. Okay, Sarah. So this episode is going a little long, so apologies to those who keep their stopwatch on 30 minutes, but we hope we have some good content here for you. We still have a not-so-hot-off-the-press definitely happening, but we have just gotten really accustomed to doing rapid fire. So it's time for rapid fire. 
But we're going to do a short version this time. We're only going to do two questions each, so I'm going to go first. So, Sarah, what is a very creative, non-financial solution you did to give a guest satisfaction on an issue that came up? We did not have hot water at a property in Steamboat this summer for 24 hours. It was the summer, so it wasn't like it was affecting the heat because here in Steamboat and the winter areas, you have the hot water also affects the heat. But So we didn't have hot water, and we called the guests. They weren't too upset about it, but they did want to take showers. So Peggy in my office called the hot springs downtown. It's this big rec center, but also has hot springs and got them into the VIP section of the hot springs area where they could take private showers and also experience everything of that rec area with the hot springs, got them free passes and they were thrilled. They had a blast. They showered and didn't care at all about no hot water. Good one. All right, Tim, you recently started a laundry operation. What has been the biggest benefit of that? I think morale of staff has been the biggest benefit of that, although there has been dramatic cost savings and even better control of our product. Biggest benefit has been the look on my faces of my housekeeping manager, my warehouse manager, my housekeepers, and so on, knowing that they have clean laundry and they know it's going to get done in a timely manner. It has been amazing. The entire company has rallied around it, and everybody is proud to be a part of it. Wow. I can't wait for Al to hear that. Okay. Give me one. Okay, Sarah, you order a meal and it comes not done as you expected. Do you send it back? I'm going to take this that it means it's really not as I would expected. Like it's gross or it's uh, undercooked or something like that. Yep. I absolutely mention it and send it back. Unless I'm with people where it would ruin a very special experience. Mm. So if I was there with my parents, it's their anniversary, I would just deal with it. Mm -hmm. But if I'm with Chris and the kids and we have time, I 100% would say something. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Your last rapid fire question, Tim, is you love Broadway shows. I've heard that. And you even sent me these Hamilton CDs I'm listening to. What is your favorite Broadway show ever and why? Oh, boy. This is a confessional again. Jersey Boys was my favorite show. (laughs) Jersey Boys? Jersey Boys. The story of the four seasons. Frankie Valli and all that. Oh, I don't know. I'm like, I'm out of it. I live in the country. I'm in the Colorado. We don't go to shows. (laughs) Well, I saw it 16 times to give you an idea. (laughs) What? Yeah, I just loved the show. I knew every song, and the whole story behind it was great, and I enjoyed when they had a new character in the cast. It would be a little bit different. I took all my kids. I've been to it so many times I could be in the cast. I love Jersey Boys in New York for the most part. I've seen it in other places as well, but I have seen it in New York probably 11 times. All right, we're all going to have to go see Jersey Boys. Maybe we'll do a big Sea to Ski with Sarah and T conference at Jersey Boys. <laughs> you would love it. I'm telling you, you would love it. And you would know all the songs. Okay, sweet. All right, time for Not So Hot Off the Press, but definitely happening, Tim. What are we talking about today? Well, it's Home Away again, and a little bit of a revelation from Home Away. And that was revealed by VRM Intel about a month ago now, I think it was, where Amy Highnote interviewed Jeff Hurst 
from HomeAway. It was a question-answer type thing, and he was asked about off-platform attribution policy, basically the whole matchback thing, and Jeff answered, the only intent of the off-platform attribution policy was to ensure that HomeAway is compensated for the value we provide property managers so we can receive bookings. We are always eager to hear feedback from our managers And in the case of audit rights, we listen to the feedback of our property managers, and we have removed audit rights from our terms and conditions. So they're not going to be looking in your software. Yeah, and this is in writing. I'm very pleased about this. It tells me that we do have power as vacation rental companies, and we can make an impact. I want to go back now and see what we signed and can we sign a new contract because I know I signed the thing about the audit rights. So I think we all need to find out how do we make that right for those of us that signed it. But good on HomeAway that they felt the pressure of that and did something about it and really are admitting that they made a bad move. And I think anyone that can admit they were wrong deserves kudos. So. I'll give them credit for that for sure. Okay, so that will do it for now as we review the refund wars, I think we're calling it. Or maybe we should have some kind of a Broadway-themed show here as we're talking about that as we go on. But we had four topics that we want you to think about when it comes to refunds. Sarah? Number one was always look at your alternatives to giving actual money and look at ways that you can wow your guest and not have to give the actual cash back. Okay. Number two, I think I did a terrible job setting it up, but I hope you guys got it when we went through that. And that is how do you determine if somebody gets a refund, how much it would be, of course, and then the critical communication strategies to ensure you have to give the least back as possible as you're dealing with that guest. And number three is how to prevent a refund in the first place and how to reduce the refund request before it even happens. Lots of good stuff there. And number four would be who pays that refund? Is it the owner? Is it you? Or do you split it sometimes? So that'll do it for now. We have some really cool stuff in the hopper relative to interview episodes coming up. So Look for a new episode coming out very soon, and we're culling through some of our old content episodes for follow-ups because we promised you a lot of follow-ups. One of them was this, refunds, and so we've checked that box. But as always, if you have a topic that you'd like us to dive into, please let us know. You can hit us on Facebook. You can find us on LinkedIn. You can find us on the website, and our latest communication device is Twitter, at c to ski with Sarah and T. Hit us there as well. We are hip, Tim. Hey, my kids just got home, so I'm going to go, and Nicholas is going to say goodbye to everybody. You ready? Goodbye. All right, my man, Nicholas. And as we leave you on this edition of Sea to Ski with Sarah and T, we'll leave you with the sounds of Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons, the Jersey Boys. So long, everybody. Thanks, Tim. That was fun. Talk to you soon.
Thank you for listening to Sea to Ski with Sarah and T, Professional Vacation Rental Managers Podcast, brought to you by Sarah Bradford of Winter Park Lodging Company and Steamboat Lodging Company, as well as Tim Cafferty of Outer Banks Blue and Sandbridge Blue Realty Services. Together, Sarah and Tim manage more than 600 privately owned vacation rental properties, and both are regarded as experts in the vacation rental management industry. Music provided by Ben Sound. We encourage your participation on this podcast by sharing it with friends, and please feel free to rate and review the podcast on iTunes. Comments or reviews on this particular podcast can be made on their website, Sea to Ski with SarahNT.com, where you can also subscribe to the podcast as well as provide them feedback on this episode or give them ideas for future topics. We look forward to speaking with you next time on Sea to Ski with Sarah and T.